Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. And good morning, everyone. It is time for another Chat Canna. Do you realize that to, because today is the 29th of September, I am asking my cohort over here, this is our last September 2020 show. Exactly. No, it isn't. No, no, we're gonna do we're gonna do shows tomorrow, but I mean, but mm. we're winding down. It's the end. That's why I've got this pumpkin background and I've got the full moon behind me here. Because what happened to September? It just went and it's gone. It's mm -hmm. gone. I just don't know where this is, where this is all happening. My days are way too busy. For being an old guy, I'm supposed to have way more free time. I don't know about you, but I'm supposed to have a lot more free time. No, these are busy days. These are busy days. Well, it's harvest for everyone that's a grower of anything in our region. People are working hard right now in the fields, late yeah. nights, long days. I called out to Riley, but he didn't answer. I wanted to get an update for what's happening out at Uncle Funky's farm, but uh, I, I'm sure he's busy. I should tell you, by the way, this is Veronica Michael. And uh, she has a place, like it says down at the bottom, called Prairie Products in Fargo. And today, we, although we've been doing all these shows, we've never actually in depth kind of found out what happens to a handful of hemp. I thought that was a good alliteration, right? A handful of hemp when it gets to your place. I want to know what happens to it when it when it goes through all of these different thingies that you have over there that's a very accurate scientific word all these thingies you see well how does that work what what do you do to it um and i didn't bring my samples over but we everybody of course knows what a really nice bud of hemp looks like you get it in and i think your 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 wish to get it in is in those big white things that are bigger than burlap bags about a pallet big and four feet high is that what you is that how you like to get it yeah so you know so first off our place is prairie products llc we're in fargo north dakota and we are a group of investors actually that came together and we knew and really believed in hemp and that there was a future for hemp production in north dakota as a new crop um hemp could be grown for cbd it could be grown for fiber uh seed was already um, being grown just that year, the pilot project had started in North Dakota. So we were really looking ahead and, um, we came together hoping to be able to be a processor for growers who wanted to grow a cannabinoid, uh, plant. So what I mean is a plant that they knew would be grown for CBD or CBG or something like that. So the, the um, pharmaceutical side of things. Yeah, I would say um, at this point, you know, the the health, the health side, can we say that yeah. loosely? You okay. know, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. believe that there is an impact on the body, that uh, the cannabinoids can reduce inflammation and can relax smooth muscle and can really relieve people in some of their pain. Um, so uh, our project was to see and and go forward with what we could do with that. So for us at Prairie we decided to use cold ethanol as our extraction process. And um, cold ethanol is a really great jump in point. 
I think the other thing for a state like North Dakota, we produce ethanol. So being able to produce, uh, to grow a product in North Dakota, to then manufacture and extract that product in North Dakota with North Dakota ethanol was kind of like the way to go. Okay, so let's talk about ethanol. Sounds an awful lot like alcohol. So yes. is that, so it comes from the, the ethanol plants we hear about are, they're taking corn and they're basically taking a version of alcohol out of it, which can go into gasoline. It's an adjunct to gasoline and it can be used for all sorts of things. So like you get it in barrels, I'm assuming you don't, yep. you're not big enough to have a train car back up and you don't take it right out of the car yet. So it comes yep. in and comes in in barrels. You know, then that's something too. I just want to talk about scale for a minute. You know, when okay. people think of uh, processing facilities in North Dakota with corn or other uh, crops, I mean, we're thinking of huge scale, right? And like many locations. So yeah. when they come to Prairie, they're sometimes surprised at how small we are, you know, okay. that we fit into uh, 5,000 square feet. Um, and part of that uh, room is for us to store our growers material. So um, our scale is smaller, you know, almost think of like, think of like boutique distilling, you know? So when you oh, think okay. of like big yeah. ethanol plants, you know, since we're talking alcohol now, because really we're looking at 200 proof ethanol to do our work. So it's an alcohol. Um, and then think of like proof distillery in mm -hmm. Fargo. We're, my, we're like the proof distillery size, All right. you know? So we're like a little still. Um, and in our uh, place, what we do is we bring uh, with growers, we have growers bring to us uh, material that has been bucked and dried and has been tested after harvest, not only for potency to cover all of the uh, laws with the farm bill, but for us, we wanna know uh, that it's pesticide free. We want it to be low in heavy metals. Um, we want a product that has a certain type of moisture and we want uh, to be tested for any kind of molds. Okay. We also prefer the material to be milled, um, but I yeah. could. Mm -hmm. No, but just when you say milled, you mean chopped up into to a certain size or feel in your hand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. For us, because the way our cold ethanol extraction works, it's better to have the material kind of loosely in our baskets. So the ethanol can really flow through though that material. Um, instead of when it's in big buds, we have to almost squeeze it in in a different way and compacting that material, you know, it's pretty resilient in its it bud is. form. Yeah. Uh, even, oh you yeah, know, you, can, you can step on it and it's still a bud. You're not gonna, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so having it a little bit looser is great and you know, Actually, not to go down the rabbit hole, but uh, I really think that Take the blue pill or the red pill. <laughs> I think that the future of hemp is grading, right? You know, um, there's a premium grade uh, of, of many products. There's a grade for fuel. There's a grade for feed. Um, for us, you know, we have growers that wanted to grow a premium flower product for CBD, for the hand roll market. And they were able to achieve that, which is awesome, by the way, in their first yeah, year. Hey, hey. Um, uh, not, not very many, but I mean, really great growers. And so for some, they actually were trimming that material and sending us some of that trim. And I always wanna point that out because um, 
I think growers should have a few options for their hemp. You know, they should have that premium price. They should have a price and potency that might work for an extractor like us at, at a milled, in a milled form. And then maybe when things don't go the way we all would like, there is the ability to sell that for feed or for fuel or fiber. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So, so you're kind of in the middle then. You're not the absolutely primo stuff where you sell the bud itself. People go and say, I want that bud because I'm going to use that in a smokable fashion because they want the direct results of, of that experience. Some mm -hmm. people smoke it because it calms them down and makes them feel good. Um, then there's the next market, which is you, of that same quality stuff, but maybe not as pretty. So it goes to get extracted to get the CBD and the CBG and the other pharmaceutical things taken out of it. And then down below is kind of all the common stuff. Is Would that be a word to use? General? Common? I think stuff that's lower value. Yeah. Lower yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, definitely. Um, and, you know, the other thing, you know, John, it's like extraction is we're compounding something, right? So, you know, we're we're taking a little bit of something and really making more of that little thing. So uh, um, for potency, we can work with a product that's between 8 and 11, 10%, and we can get where we want to get with that. Um, because not only are we with ethanol able to... Um, extract, you know, CBD, but like you said, all the other cannabinoids and some terpenes. So, well, let's now let's stop. And terpene sounds a little bit like turnips in the field, but that's not what it is at all. What's a terpene? So terpenes are uh, naturally presenting. Um, I almost, in my mind, I almost think of them as flavors. That's what helps me okay. think yeah, of them, you right. know, and I have, it's best for me when I compare them to hops. And hops is also, like hemp, a product that produces terpenes. And we know those terpenes like Cascade or, and we know them as flavors of beer, right? Um, but the terpenes that are presented in hemp um, can be an earthy uh, lemon, kind of citrus, uh, cinnamon. Um, so, and those terpenes have what we believe may be medicinal impacts for the body, you know, to help the body kind of, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're oh, fine. Oh, good. <laughs> it was a little waiver there, but it's the, okay. it's the, big, it's the bigger <laughs> internet. Go right yeah. on. You're doing great. Um, but terpenes yeah, so, have. Yeah. So ter terpenes, uh, we believe, also have an impact on the body. And here's another way I'll explain them. And why I'm being, you know, really careful with my words, John, is I'm not an expert. You know, I always want to be open about that. I'm not an expert in terpenes and there's still a lot of research to do, but we know that um, scents, uh, botanical scents impact us. And we know that through well, how many people have bought like essential oils and really feel like they get calm or uh, ready for bed in that way. Or maybe it helps them wake up in the morning by putting Figured something up. in yeah, the yeah, shower. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the terpenes, um, we know are interacting with the cannabinoids in a way that we call the entourage effect and are producing uh, different impacts. One article that I read recently was that it was on limonene. 
So that's a terpene that's kind of like a citrus terpene. And they were trying to figure out if it was helpful when it came to um, working with people who had neuropathy or nerve pain. I want some. Get me some. <laughs> I have that. I have but that I think pain. that's... And I think that's right, right? I mean, you you have that pain. So many people have that pain. And pain is so different. And that's why we really need a future where we are studying the cannabinoids and um, terpenes and really what are the impacts. Yep. And that's and so true. And that's so true. And by the way, because of that, you know, that's one of the things that caused Casey and I to get into this business. Um, he has a problem in his family that uh, we really should do a, a whole show on at some point. I have uh, peripheral neuropathy, but I, it's generally, you know, caused by diabetes, for instance. I don't have diabetes. My uh, blood sugar numbers are always under 100. Um, mine came, we think, because I got bit by ticks about six, seven years ago. Oh, I've heard about that. I've heard about people experiencing arthritis or huge inflammation after being exposed yep. to Lyme's disease. Yes. And I have an even more esoteric one. I have um, ehrlichiosis and anaplasmosis. So mine doesn't get studied as much. Lyme's is the really central one that's got a lot of attention paid to it. But it's just a weird thing because I can, uh, I can have really great days. For no reason. I mean, it's not, nothing changes in my behavior. Nothing changes in my diet. I'll get up one day and all of a sudden my feet are 99% normal. And then something else will happen. And my, you know, it's like, I just don't want to get out of bed. And I have found, and Casey has tricked me in this way, because he has given me bottles that he has made of our, of our extraction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it has hemp oil in it. And sometimes it doesn't. And I don't know because he has other flavors in it. And then he'll just ask, you know, how am I feeling? And I'll say, well, you know, feeling pretty good. And it there's a definite correlation between if I've been taking the, the extraction with hemp oil in it for a couple of weeks, I tend to have much better relief on my feet and lower legs than if I haven't. And I know it's a study of one, but you know, we are finding a definite correlation because I have no idea what he's giving me. And yet there does seem to be that if I'm regularly taking a full spectrum hemp oil, which of course has all of these things that we're talking about, including the terpenes that came off of our land right here last year, um, you know, it really seems to bring down the aggravation of my peripheral neuropathy. So mm -hmm. it's, cool. it's just really mm -hmm. cool to be involved in it firsthand. So. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really believe that it is beneficial and it can give relief, you know, from my own experience too. And, but I think it is, you know, it's hard. To, it's, you know, for anyone who cares about science or loves their fellow man, you know, you don't want to just throw like wild nope. claims out there. And nope. people have so many, um, so many other medications they're taking that, you know, you always want people to be really careful because. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. Is it is it a mixture of that and my little bit of diuretic I'm taking? Is it a mixture of that? And, you know, um, I'm, I'm taking a, I can't even think of its name now. Topamax? I don't even know the drug I, right now. But, you know, I'm on three little medications from the doctor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is it a mixture of all three? 
you know, because we, we this takes a study of a thousand people, double blind and time. And so for anybody to just come out and say this is the magic drug, we can't do that. But no. I can just tell you that people do. I mean, this is has been documented. Now, Israel is, of course, leading the charge in both uh, hemp and uh, the THC side of uh, the, the, the cannabinoids. But Israel is really leading the charge in doing the medical research on all of this. And we have to hand it to them. They're really coming out. By the way, I don't know if you know, but if you do a search on the internet uh, for hemp, medical double-blind hemp studies, there's over 900 of them going on by respected universities in the United States at this very moment. So it's not being, you know, it's going on now. But it, it, just, takes, it just takes a long time. It does. It takes time. I mean, we know that researchers are diligent. They're doing those processes over a three to five year period. Right. Yeah, so, you know, we're yeah. yeah. So we're in the beginning of really finding out, you know, what um, what are the impacts? I mean, think of I think of aspirin and how long we used aspirin. And then when we thought about aspirin again differently in like the 80s with, you know, thinning blood. So it's we have a long way to go. We do. But that's exciting. That's the exciting part, right? Like that's, that's, we, that's why I'm in it every day. So anyway, so, back back to yours. So we have an ethanol extraction process here. Now there's about five different ways that we can take these things from the plant and get them into a usable form. And you guys chose ethanol. So what happens? The farmer brings it in and it's milled. As you say, it's kind of um, uh, about like Rice Krispies, I would say. Would that be a good... Uh, a good analogy to about how you kind of want it in your hands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cornflakes, rice krispies. Cornflakes. Alrighty, we'll go with cornflakes. So yeah. then, then what happens? Where does it go? What does it do? So then, what we do um, after we've you know had those tests done is we yep. bring it in. We're putting it uh, in batches. So for us, we want to you know it's a lot of weighing and measuring. I feel like in our work, so we are um, putting it really that raw hemp right into our machinery, flushing mm -hmm. it with cold ethanol at negative 40, uh, almost negative 40 Celsius. Okay, so, so it's in a basket, it's in a container, and mm -hmm. it gets washed or this cold negative 40 degrees. That's really cold, by the way, especially when it's alcohol, because alcohol sucks heat out of other things. That's why they use it as a chilling medium in some ways. So wh why the cold? What does that do? So um, some people, but everyone is different. And if you watch a YouTube video, you can see people using warm ethanol and you can see all kinds of stuff. Okay. But um, the idea is that the cold ethanol would produce uh, less waxes, a cleaner product. Oh, so you know? it's so, taking what you want, leaving what you don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So we are able to produce a winterized, decarboxylated crude at the end. And... Um, that's important because it's a really clean form of the product. It's not waxy. It's not kind of full of junk, but it has a color to it. You know, it has a plant. It's a plant that we're using. So it definitely is um, a color. It looks like hemp. It smells now, like hemp. So it's greenish color mm -hmm, Green, mm -hmm. and it's oily. It's like uh, baby oil. I would say in the form right after when we put yeah. ethanol with it, I would say that's an interesting consistency. Yeah, maybe that would be at that okay. place because when we're drawing it out of our machinery at that point, it's 
ethanol mix now with the extract. So okay, we need now we need to separate them. Exactly, exactly. So we spend a lot of time separating the ethanol away from the extract then through mm -hmm. again almost like a still process where mm -hmm. you're capturing that alcohol, right? Um, and we can reuse that alcohol until it uh, we can't let it get below about 180 proof, but we can use it because it's very clean when we do that separation. Because um, again, we really want to keep that valuable part of the extract. Of course, of course, of course. So, so you run it through the equivalent of like a still, mm -hmm. um, and so then the alcohol goes away because it goes up as a vapor, and then you recapture it by condensing it over right. here. And now, right. what do you have left then? What what's left in the? Is so that what, where the oil, the thicker oil, is now? Now we have thick oil. Now we have okay. a thicker oil, but we and we have a form of the cannabinoid, but it's not really consumable by the body at this point. What okay. we need to do is we need to heat it up, uh, and we need to convert it into CBD from CBDA. So okay. through a process of heating that up over a long period of time, we're making that conversion, and that's called decarboxylation. So we do that process at the end, and that really produces then a stable winterized crude. So a product that is very thick. It's like molasses. Okay. You know, you know, we really went from that baby oil taking out that ethanol to really like a molasses. Uh, mm. When people, when I first was reading about the ethanol extraction process in that crude, I thought, what a strange, what a strange way to put it. Now that I see it and work with it, it's like, oh no, it is. Oh, uh, she's got you know? it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is just this thick, rich. Now, um, I am Lebanese and West African, so I love Marmite or Vegemite. No, tell me you don't. Tell I me do. you don't. I oh. don't really do. I love Marmite. Oh, no, no, no. So for our listeners who also love Marmite, I think of it as like, Marmite or balsamic vinegar, where it's like that richest part of the product, right? Balsamic vinegar, I'll accept, but <laughs> you know, I guess it's a love-hate relationship, and I'm on the hate side of Marmite. I'm sorry. Maybe you're not um, eating I, it right. Are you using I, really good butter? <laughs> there isn't enough butter in the world to, to counteract a teaspoon of Marmite. But anyway, that's another day. A I'm teaspoon sorry. is way too much. Okay, that's another day we'll get into the Marmite no. conversation, but um, but now you you know what I'm talking about, that Lights thickness. <laughs> I love it, John. I love it. It's I good. cannot live without it. Okay. So well, we back know to this. To, we know how to get you out of an apartment then someday. Okay, no. <laughs> Come out. We Look, have Marmite I've got, sandwiches. I've got some Mar yeah, I've got Marmite. Marmite. Oh, they've got it across the street, but you got to take your suitcase with you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It's I got too many Marmite jokes. That's the only, uh, you do. Okay. I do. I do. Um, so back to this. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, are left with, you know, a really thick molassesy product. Um, one of the things we have been uh, doing is visiting with the pilot prod program over at NDSU. There's a couple of researchers there. We'd love to do some more research in, you know, uh, how how long is crude stable for? Yeah, you know yeah, how yeah, yeah. or how long is even our raw material, the flower form of hemp? Exactly. You know, I mean, should you 
Yeah, we we have a lot of ideas about how we want to um, leave it in super sacks or in a uh, temperature controlled environment, but we don't have enough real research yet on uh, all these post harvest techniques and storage storage and production um, that I'm looking really forward to. So we get it down to molasses, mm -hmm. but now you've concentrated like everything that was in the plant. Yes. So, so if somebody had totally legal 0.3 THC, what has come through, what might be in the, in the bucket there then, or have you ameliorated? Oh, that's the big word of the day. Ameliorated that problem before now, or is now when you deal with that? No, now is when we deal with that because to us, I just want to be clear. Um, you know, we're not trying to mine for THC, right? Absolutely we're absolutely not. You no, know, we're no. trying to grab the other cannabinoids. That's what our growers are growing strains for that are rich in right. and higher in those other things. But we, you're right, we've compounded everything. So for us, um, and this is one of the reasons we like that we do small batches because for our growers, as you know, John, maybe they're growing um, 500 to 3,500 plants, for example, but everyone has a different amount. So we're able to yeah. work in batches yeah. as small as 500. That's kind of our minimum. But um, all hemp that we see has a little different numbers, a little bit different potency in it. CBD, it's CBC, it's CB, you know, whatever that is. And then of course it's THC. So for us, every grower we work with has a little bit different numbers in all those areas. But the important thing to remember is we're guided by the farm bill and how, what number we all have to be at, especially for THC to move that product. Yeah. So um, our numbers can be anywhere in the other cannabinoids, but for THC, we have to be at 0.3%. Exactly. So for us, that means, and for the producers that we work with on a product end, we are diluting that product for transport. I wish it wasn't like that. Well, don't we all? And that's, first of all, and we want to keep hitting this because we never know when we have a new listener. Mm -hmm. We want to point out once again that the point three was arbitrarily picked mm -hmm. off of a report that a gentleman made really without any knowledge of where this was. He just one day made a report and said, well, you know, for sure, if it's under point three, it's not the other kind of product without any actual consideration because he could have said 1% was not the other kind of product and we'd all be in a different world today. That would be a lot easier for the, for the guys that are doing the genetics on the seed, for the people that are growing it, for the people that are transporting it, for the people that are processing it, and ultimately for the people that are using it because mm -hmm. it's, it would still be the situation of going into a grocery store today and buying what's called near beer. It's beer that, you know, has a trace of alcohol in it because you can't wipe it out totally, but yet you can buy it in a grocery store that doesn't have a license to sell liquor because it's not, you know, you can go buy vanilla on the shelf and it's got a lot more alcohol in it than this product called near beer. And yeah. of course, there's a whole lot of really good people that are working to change this situation. And I believe that over time, you know, I think both the, the really greatest thing about a government and the worst thing about a government is that they move really slow. Yeah. I think 
on the one hand, that's probably the best thing that a government does is it really, really moves slow on issues because, you know, you don't want like the old days when when a, a king or a Kaiser or, a, you know, a, a pharaoh, you know, three people went to him and made a good pitch for something and he snapped his fingers and it was the new law of the land. We do want the government to move really slow and to do this, but they can move a but, little fast. I agree. I agree. But, you know, I think one of the things that we have to remember is we want people to be safe and healthy. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think when I think of like dosage, this is where I think this is where we're getting tripped up. I mean, we're coming from uh, hemp um, being seen as a class one drug to really a really different view of hemp. But with that comes, you know, we know more about how to dose people with morphine than then we know how to dose people right. with the cannabinoids. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Right? Yeah, and I think yeah. that, but, but that is where that can bring in all that fear, right? Because we don't want to hurt people. We want to help. Um, we, don't, we only want to help our loved ones when they're uh, experiencing pain or anxiety or discomfort. So I think the more we can understand what are the strains, what is the dosage? Because I would actually, I think the near beer is kind of a funny um I think it's a good equivalent, but I almost like the vanilla to the alcohol equivalent because people who are using a THC product, I believe, and what I've understood, you know, they're looking for a product that's like 17 to 24% potency in THC. You know, we're working with a product that's um, 0.3%. Yeah. One third of 1%. Even there's just no... It's just not a lot of here and here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is just education. It's talking about it over and over again, getting the general public to understand. And also when you say dosing in, in using a hemp product for CBD, um, I am always a, a, I will, I will be a champion of the fact that, you know, buy that product, from somewhere where you know where it came from and where, you know, you know, the people behind it, uh, not in some gas station on a freeway somewhere where, you know, it could come from anywhere in the world and it's being sold for, you know, sometimes price really is an indicator of the value of what was put into the product and the care that it was made with. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm all for a deal anytime you can get a deal, but you know, some Times something that's ten dollars isn't really as good as something that's twenty-five dollars. I mean, there's a reason that they're different. No matter what the bottle might say, it might not be exactly what it says it is. Whereas somebody that's you know they they have to sell it for more because there's a lot more care and consistency and um, you know following all the guidelines all through the process to get to that end product. And I think that this is one of those. And I'm, I will say that until they put duct tape on my mouth, like that guy on America's Got Talent, you know? So, uh, so I agree. I think that it's, I just want to say something about that. I think that there's a lot that we don't know about, you know, using the cannabinoids uh, for wellness. And the more you do know what you know, like, do you know where it came from? Do you know that it was grown in North Dakota? For us, it was really important to get our pride of Dakota seal. Minnesota's okay too, though. 
Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. But I, but I'm talking about for us, you can find that same Minnesota seal, right? But you can look for things as a consumer that show you that that product's being grown and manufactured in our region. And both of our agricultural departments, Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, I mean, they all have that kind of a seal. And those are things that can help you see, hey, this is a product that I might, you know, want to consume. The other thing is uh, we want to be third party tested. So for us at Prairie, we not only are having the farmer test before we bring it in, but we're testing that product when it goes out Mm -hmm. too. And then we're testing it in even its Uh, you know, formulated form. Because again, we just want you to know, we want to know that it is our growers material. We know that it's safe. We've already been committed to having a pesticide free uh, product. So yeah, all those things you can see on a bottle. And as a consumer, those are steps to helping you feel more comfortable about, hey, this might be a product or a manufacturer that is regional, is working with regional growers, and that is doing third-party testing. There you go. Well, our time has slipped away. Oh, my but God, I, like that. This was one of my favorite shows because I think we really covered a lot of really good ground. And I hope we opened the, the you know, the, the took a little bit of the mystery away from, you know, what happens to a product as it goes through these different things and, uh, and comes out on the other end as something that then gets made into uh, what's called a tincture which is generally put under the tongue, um, balms, lotions that you rub onto your skin, and uh, uh, gummy bears, which you can chew and eat, not necessarily a gummy bear. Oh, UMC is calling me. You know, actually, John, so a lot of states don't allow for edibles. And, um, you know, we chose to do a chewable tablet because I think it helps people with dosage, but that is a whole nother show and something that we should we talk go. about because <laughs> I think that there's a lot to say about how you choose. If you're going to choose a product, then how are you going to choose to consume it? So you maybe are, we talk about that next time. We got a, we got a whole nother show ready to go in the, in the <laughs> This exactly. has been wonderful. My guest and co-host, we don't see her as much anymore because it is, it's, Rush it's been a while. Right yeah, it's <laughs> sorry, it's just, friends. <laughs> it's just fun to do a show with you because I, I you know, I, I like working with you, and I just love to just grab. All, you remember the Harry Potter where they put the the wand by the by the brain, you know, and pull things out of it, and it's just fun to pull this stuff out of your mind and make everybody smarter. And I appreciate you for that, and I appreciate you uh, uh, having time here to do this with us today. And let me get wow. the right banner here on the on the bottom here. Have well, always you. fun to see you too, John. I mean, yeah, I hope, yeah. I hope you, I know you've been keeping everyone very uh, informed and entertained. So everyone's well, in th- good hands. Thank you. Now, next week um, we have Margaret Wyatowski and she is the pivot person for everything hemp in Minnesota. She's the first person you talk to when you're uh, going to get a hemp license. She's the last person you talk to at the end of the year when you file all of your reports. She is awesome. Uh, she has been our mother as we've gone through this process ourselves. Everybody thinks so highly of her, and she will be our guest on Tuesday. On Thursday, we're having a guy named Pat Seitz. Uh, He has a giant, sort of like a gardening store in St. Paul, but he has all of the any kind of products you might need uh, for a hemp operation. If you're inside, he has lights. 
uh, feeders, uh, irrigators, uh, and then also to take it outside. You know, everything from the big paper you lay down, uh, hoop houses, um, and we're going to talk about what kind of food hemp plants need and all that kind of stuff. And then the next week, we have on a gentleman from north of Edmonton. Can you believe not just Edmonton, but north of Edmonton, Canada, uh, Alberta. And he is the CEO of a big Canadian hemp producing company up there. And they are on the attack. If you're within 150 miles of his company, he will contract with you to grow hemp for him. They'll come and bring you the plants. They'll come and pick up your product. This is how much hemp business is thriving in Canada. We're going to find out how he does it, what's going on, how it's all happening. It's exciting times coming up. So we hope everyone will tune in. If you're watching us on Facebook, please click the like button. If you're watching us on YouTube, please click the subscribe button and then ring the little bell and we'll tell you whenever we have a show that's coming on. If you are on Facebook, we appreciate it if you'd move to YouTube. We really need the numbers over there. <laughs> future, you'll find out why in the future, but it's a gift to us if you would do that. Veronica, get to work. Get back there. Okay, get working. I will. Get we appreciate <laughs> you so much. That's it for Chat Canada today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, tomorrow, we'll have a Have You Heard. We'll have a little bit of news. Uh, and then Thursday, oh, I do, it, what day is today? Today's Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. I'll have a whole other <laughs> show again on Thursday. Days are going by. It's a wonderful time. Enjoy the fall, and we'll see you all tomorrow.